Performance Podcast. This week, I am joined by my head coach, Jeremy Kane. We've got the wonderful Gabby Castro here, one of our longest-running uh, EAX OG athletes, and obviously, I'm Chris McNamara, the founder of Evolution Athletics. Uh, today, we're going to talk about principles, the principles of performance we use with all of our athletes, whether they're group or individual. doesn't matter if they're competitive, if they're training for job or sport, or just training for life in general. So, we're going to... Uh, jump around to a couple different topics today, but more importantly, we want Gabby to kind of tell us her story with recent events, and then we'll obviously add some context in with that in mind. So when I say principles and what we're talking about today, we're not talking about sets and reps and conjugate methods and triphasic methods and all those other things. Those are methods that we use to get a result. The principles are the overarching uh, themes and concepts we use to drive programming. Yeah, I mean, I think... uh... From a coaching perspective, I think we use these kind of themes to categorize athletes. I know we mentioned it last week um, when it came down to like intermediate, beginner, and advanced. Um, taking in athletes, we can utilize them to kind of see and help direct the programming perspective to meet the athlete's goal, right? So versus if you're a class person, individual CrossFit athlete like you, right, or mm-hmm. a tactical athlete. We can take these principles and and what it does is it makes a solid foundation for like where Chris and myself need to to take the conversations in terms of like when we get into work-life balance, fitness balance, um, intensity, what you need to be doing in terms of exercise selection. Um, It all kind of based off those main So like more of like a holistic evaluation approach. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, so kind of on that regard, like last week we talked about how we classify athletes, right? Beginner, intermediate, advanced, elite is kind of the main ones we use. Um, but that can be different based on what the person is doing, their background, their history, and even domain to domain. So what do I mean by that? Gabby, what's your background? Uh, in what aspect? Right. Well, That's it. Well, yeah. kind of perfect, right? So military, <laughs> yeah. you're a competitive CrossFit yeah. athlete. Um, you've got a bunch of other things back in, in your background that mm-hmm. kind of bring you to where you're at. Um, but yeah, where you're at right now, you're a competitive CrossFit athlete. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Transitioning out of the military. Yep. So all those things get a vote. So, uh, if someone is coming from the military side, been doing it for years, that might be a elite tactical athlete making the transition to a beginner level CrossFit competitor. And so we got to keep all those things in mind. And that is much more the holistic approach by saying, where are you at right now? How do we get there? And that's my first point, um, for this kind of episode, I would say is context is king. Doesn't matter what we're doing, where we're at. Um, we look at the context of where the athlete's at. We use the biopsychosocial model, some of you might have heard of. Where is Gabby at biologically? If we test her, we can get a, a picture of that. Psychologically, where is she at? She's getting out of the military. She's probably stress free right now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That LSAT and stuff is probably taking over. Yeah. Um, and then from a social dynamic, right? Do you have a good support structure or does. does um, the family support your training. How do they do that? Do they support it through good nutrition and giving you time to train or not? And so we take all those things, look at it from a lens of different contexts, and then that way we make the program fit the athlete, not the athlete fit our program. Yeah, well, we, I mean, when we get into it too, I mean, like me and Gabby have, Gabby's an athlete of mine, so I work with her, talk to her on a daily basis. Um, something I have a lot of conversations with a lot of my athletes when it comes to that model of thinking, right? Like, the first question I always ask or kind of allude to is the goals. Like, what are your goals? Um, Cause then you could take that biopsychosocial mm-hmm. and kind of lay out what your priorities are. 
And I think when someone is able to look at that in a really real way, it's like enlightening and kind of shows like, Hey, like you say you want to be good at fitness, Mm -hmm. you're out drinking on the weekends, right? Like that portion of the model has to kind of give in or like you have to support kind of your social aspect and have people around you that maybe like fit that lifestyle. Yes. Go ahead, Gabby. So how do you guys, if somebody comes to you with a very or an extremely broad goal, how do you kind of dial it in or tell them to focus on like, maybe we should think about this or maybe we should think about that instead of like, I just want to be good at fitness. Great question, because I get that probably once a week, <laughs> at, at a minimum once. What do you want to get better at? Yeah, I want to clean this, squad this, run this, yeah. rock this. <laughs> We're talking about the competition CrossFit world, but my tactical athletes are the same thing. You know, like well, I need to be good at everything in case something comes up. And so I would say that's that's a great segue into what we do um, in terms of we use a limiter bias performance model. What's your biggest limiter? So some of that does come into our athlete intake process. We ask them, hey, what are your goals? And if they have a 500 pound deadlift and five minute miles goals. Okay, cool. Nothing wrong with having goals. The second part of that is the objective testing. So we're going to get into your Diane here in a little bit (laughs) as an objective test and parameter we can use. But for my tactical athletes, I have a battery of tests for my individual CrossFit athletes, a battery of tests and say, okay, here's your goals, but here's where you're at realistically. And sometimes that's a hard conversation. Yeah. Sometimes that's a, uh, you know, little heart to heart and saying you're either not as good as you think you are or in some areas, we have to tell athletes, it's okay to stop training a certain thing. You are yeah. so good aerobically that you don't need to train that anymore. And that's okay. more of what I was saying earlier with, um, you know, you may be an elite runner, but you may be a novice at lifting. Yeah. And if you want to be in the, yeah, <laughs> you want to be into CrossFit, you want to be into this other stuff, you can't have limiters and you can't have weaknesses. Okay. So that's how I start. Yeah. So we'll do a limiter bias program. We'll say, what's your biggest weakness? Get rid of that first. And then keep the rest and maintain. Yeah. Jeremy, you got anything different? No, I mean, just I, that's a brilliant point. I mean, I think just utilizing that kind of limiter approach, you'd be surprised with some good program design on like how much stuff doesn't actually fall off. Like, it, it'll, I love doing it with the lease where it's like, we're not really lifting that heavy, blah, blah, blah. And it's like thrower squat. And she like hits 98%. It's like, Dang. you hit 98%, but you know, now your burpee time, your 100 burpee per time is faster. Have you guys ever had an athlete where it's like, they tell you, I think I'm bad at this or my weakness is this, but they're actually really good at it. Absolutely. All the time. So that's one thing that I like to do with some of my athletes is, is a conversation after a month or two of training. Like, hey, what movement do you suck at? Mm-hmm. And let's say they pick toaster bar, right? Or right now I've got two of them that are like deadlifts. Yeah. But then you show them objectively across a bunch of different athletes. Like, no, nah, you may perceive it that that's a, a weakness, but it's not. And objective mm-hmm. numbers usually settle that down. And at the highest levels of performance, um, you know, another principle we use is the bandwidth performance model. The more bandwidth you are spending on being scared of a movement mm-hmm. because you don't like it or it causes pain, we'll get into that too, um, you're not going to go all out. Your central yeah. governor in your body won't let you. So if someone says, I'm scared of toes to bar, even though they're really good at them, mm-hmm. they'll stop breathing. They'll stop moving as wow. efficiently as usual. Um, and so in a movement where they can do a huge number unbroken or even in the midst of stuff, if they have a mental hang up, that psychological piece, mm-hmm. it'll just hold them back. So how do I fix that? Layered in slowly. So I'll say, okay, we're doing sets of seven this week. We're doing sets of 10 next week. We're doing those things. And eventually that bandwidth they're using on that movement gets reduced to autopilot. And now they can focus on something else. Yeah. And I, so and, is this and, why my chest is well, so, <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so going there, right. It's, it, 
it's also from a coaching perspective, very individualized. I've worked with Gabby for going on two years, two and a half years yeah. now, like in total. And so we have a, a great relationship with each other uh, to where I can sit here and tell her something straight up and be real with her. So she does a 10 minute warm up to do three chest to bar. <laughs> um, and just the other day, I literally told you, I said, like, go get a drink of water, mm-hmm. come back, start your workout. You're doing three chest to bar. Yeah. And it's just, a, it's a mental barrier for you at the moment to where like you did the workout fine. You yeah. went three unbroken into, into a grindy kind of piece where other athletes might take a different approach. Like, hey, let's do some progressive models where mm-hmm. like we're starting to build in some confidence and um, get you feeling more confident. That way yeah. when that workout comes up, <laughs> for you at the moment coming back from injury, it's yeah. just, it's, all, it's a little bit of a mental piece where it's like, you know, we just got to get you doing it again. Yeah. Um, and, we'll, and that's why it's like kind of bringing up the Diane time. Um, yeah, so we, we gotta talk about this, Diane. <laughs> so, right, so, so Gabby this. came back from an injury, right? She had LCL meniscus, a whole plethora of things in her left knee. Got taken out um, by a kid at a pumpkin patch. Yeah, yep. let's not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so for a long time, we were focusing on her upper body pressing, right? Great time to kind of work on volume. Well, coming back, kind of dynamic fluid of movement was a struggle. Yes. Kipping, um, moving without fear comes anywhere from deadlifts to gymnastics to any sort of barbell cycling. It was always kind of like hit or miss. I threw Gabby JT. If you don't know what JT is, it's 21-15-9. Handstand push-ups, push-ups, and and then ring dips. And she, I mean, what'd you get? Like close to 20 minutes. Yeah. Her fastest time time in it was like 10.30. I threw it at her and I think, I drove an hour to Fayville because that's where she was at to calm her down because I just knew the context in her text was she was not happy. She had um, a moment. She had a very good she moment. Had, she had so a moment. Fast forward now, that was probably, what, three months ago? Yeah. Um, yeah. We've been kind of mixing in some volume training, extensive versus intensive. We're going to get into that. And we're kind of reaching this sweet spot where she's moving really fluidly and she's not worried about stuff and she's able to hit really big sets back to kind of where she was before. April 2019, she did Diane at 6.40. Mm-hmm. And on Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm sitting in the back of the gym and I'm talking with Chris and I'm like, dude, I don't know what to do right now. It's like, <laughs> what do you mean? I'm like, Gabby, for, I mean, I'm going to tell her this now, she's right from my face, is the most scary athlete to program for because we have such a good relationship, you yeah. and I, that like, you tell me what you think right yeah. away and I'll tell you what I think. Yeah. And then it's just really fluid in conversation. So there's never hiding emotion. Um, and so I was getting ready to program Diane, which... You can just say it. Gabby's got no filter. Yeah. You can say, that. You can say it. We all know. I mean, Diane, if you yep. look at it in context, is is 45 reps of handstand push-ups. I'm like, well, let's see. Last pressing workout I gave her, I had to drive an hour and 10 minutes to go calm her down. Um, Literally. He did. <laughs> That's good coaching, right? Yeah. Um, and so it was funny. So me and Chris were like, well, let's just do it. And I even threw in there like a little check on learning to make sure she knew it wasn't going to be the end of the world. But yeah. she ends up PR and her Diane time by like two and a half minutes. Yeah. Uh, but those little kind of barriers or the mental barriers like, wow, you just did Diane two and a half minutes faster. Yeah. You, it'll pay off in a long, so big in a long run. Crushed it. And deadlifts and handstand pushes are probably one of my most insecure movements. And mm-hmm. I crushed it. Big confidence boost. Yeah. So I mean, little things like that, working yeah. in athletes, like I know at least the same way. I know if I throw her a workout, that's just kind of like, boom, like uptick in the confidence. It's yeah. like all of a sudden for a week, she's like, be on everything. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, you know, that's that's a good point back to what we talked about last episode. Like our four pillars, we talk about movement, 
mindset, nutrition, and recovery, right? So all those things factor into how you perform. So if you've got movements you don't like, Gabby, you know, your mindset is going to be a different approach mm -hmm. than if it's something you like or you'll send it all the way. And so that subconscious limiter is something that we can work on. And so I've heard this analogy before. I really like it in terms of a limiter model, bias model. So if we are on an assembly line, right, performance is the output that we're looking for at the end. And we're building cars. Mm -hmm. But the rate limiting step in building that whole thing is, let's just say, putting on the tires. It doesn't matter if you build more engines. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you build a bigger engine. It doesn't matter if that rate limiting step is putting on the tires, you're never going to get peak power output. For Gabby, that might be a mental block on whatever that thing is. She's coming back from an oh, injury yeah. for a high level yeah. athlete. The mental game is the separator, you know, physical <laughs> stuff we can work with. I see she's smiling right there. Yeah. So the, the mental game is the separator. So one of the points we're also talking about today is like, it all comes down to tension doesn't matter what you do, what we're doing for physical performance, it comes mm -hmm. down to tension. And think about the tension profile of a bodybuilder mm -hmm. versus the tension profile of a marathon runner. Very different, yes. right? One can use tension to lift world record rate weights. One can't walk up a flight of stairs without getting out of breath because they hold too much tension. And flip that around. Mental tension does come into it. And that's why we're so huge with our athletes getting sleep, de-stressing, recovery, all those things get factored in. And then over time, whether they know it or not, part of the training program is getting them to reduce bandwidth and reduce that tension of mental hangups with performance. What's your, Chris, what's your kind of thought process? And then I'll kind of get in the mind of when you get a new athlete that comes in that I see a lot when it comes to like guys that did bodybuilding mm -hmm. and they come in they're like, oh, I want to start this CrossFit thing. Or I want to yeah. do tactical stuff. And like you're taking them five steps back because they can't do a single leg squat or a single leg like rear foot elbow is mm -hmm. a squat what's your approach to that from like a mental aspect and programming kind of like like hey you need to start here even though you could bench the world yep like how do you hang up an ego yeah yeah that's i mean it's a very common thing we're in a community dominated by a lot of alpha individuals with all the military folks we have around here and then a lot of high level performers within the gym and sometimes it's an honest dialogue because a lot of times it's give and take, right? So honest dialogue with that athlete and tell them if you truly want to do X thing, you want to get better at whatever thing, you have to put your trust in me as the coach to give you that roadmap. You still got to drive it. You still yeah. got to make the, the daily put in the work stuff. But if you trust me, I will paint the roadmap to get you there. And when detours like injuries come up in Gabby's case or whatever else, it's my job as the GPS, as the roadmap yeah. to move around. But Showing those athletes the in-state becomes a lot easier because we do have a volume of athletes who've reached those things. So I can tell them, hey, we've had people who've proven this. Because a lot of times early on in my coaching career, yeah. I used to try and overload with science. Yeah. And the same guy that is coming to me because he's a bodybuilder yeah. probably doesn't give a crap about what study I'm quoting or whatever else. So a lot of times it's just building that trust and that rapport with the athlete. But... I'll say this on the other end of things, giving them a little leeway here and there. So if an athlete comes to me and wants to do some bodybuilding things, uh -huh. that's one of the questions we have here from one of our, our um, social media posts is, you know, what's what, why do we not use bodybuilding and bro science stuff and everything else? We do at the right time and place. I yeah. think there's a time and place for functional type bodybuilding, isometric work, but relative to our athletes' goals, which is always mm -hmm. performance. We don't work with bodybuilders. Yeah. Um, performance being the king, we can then show them like, hey, if you want to get here, I'll do 80% of your program performance base, but yeah. give you 20% to work on bodybuilding. Because let's face it, gotta look good, 
Got to feel good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> look good, feel good, <laughs> look good, play good. good. Yeah. That's right. It, it all factors <laughs> in. So that's how I do it. I don't know. What's your, what's your take on it? Yeah, I, mean, I just think that it's it's always fascinating. It's a, it's a fun conversation because you can see it coming from a mile away. Yeah. Dude rolls in. Yeah. Female rolls in. Fitness background. And our kind of outlook on fitness is performance or health, right? Depending on goals. Yeah. And you'll get these people like, oh, I can back squat 200 pounds and I want to squat 250. Well, from my perspective, I want to see if that joint is even able to flex and extend in the right pattern or control weight appropriately on like a balanced perspective. And they get mad at me or they have a quick conversation like two months into programming. They're like, hey, man, we've only been doing single leg stuff with Mm -hmm. dumbbells. It's like just trust the roadmap. I think that create like how many conversations have we had with like, Hey, here's what I expect you in six yeah. months. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah. I think that's the hardest thing when someone switch over to an individualized kind of program is the aspect of it being individualized and knowing that it's not just some get fit quick scheme. Like yeah. you're like, Oh, in a month I'm, I'm running through a Russian hack squat program and you're going to hit it a PR in a month. Right. It's more of a holistic health performance, get the joints moving properly, yeah. get you moving, probably feeling good, feeling healthy. Then let's express our power. So that's how I kind of I take a step back. I'm like, hey, this is where it needs to happen. And and I think that's that is the value of of a coach versus a template program. You know, like cookie cutter program yeah. will just say, here are your sets and reps. Do them no matter what, regardless of how fast you're adapting, regardless if you're maladapting, right? When you're getting injured, yeah, or sick, that's a problem. So those can't adjust to the athlete. The other thing is every single one of my programs has longevity in mind, and mm-hmm. I will be fully candid. I have lost clients because of that. Right. Mm-hmm. So some people who want to chase aesthetics or chase a short term goal that I know will not be good for them. Sure. Um, it's just not in my philosophy to do that. I, I can't do it. Um, the other thing is uh, I refuse to kind of more of the methods thing, um, risk someone's career, especially for the soft crowd and for people who are competing like it could be a career um, on what I think will get them a short term benefit. Okay. And so what I see a lot of that is the perception of difficulty. Mm. Um, it sells, right? And I've been seeing it recently in the tactical world, which is competition CrossFit rebranded as tactical athlete program. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. And it frustrates me because, yeah, okay, the coach is making a buck. The athlete feels like they're working out really hard yeah. because yeah. they are. But it's not what their in-state doesn't justify the means. Yeah. If you were trying to pass SFAS and you are doing barbell cycling and high rep muscle ups, yeah. I guarantee you that's probably not going to translate to success in SFAS. Yeah. Right. So rebranding it. So to me, it's frustrating because I know the impact that that can have on literally mm-hmm. someone's life and career when done wrong. Um, so yeah, I program for longevity. I program for the big picture in mind. Also in some of these situations, knowing that I may be sacrificing a little bit of performance yeah. for health. And I'm okay with that. That's okay. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I mean, that, yeah. Absolutely. We can get we can get way into that where it's yeah. like there has to, and it's one of the first conversations I have is hey, we have to be okay with it. If you come up to me and say, I want to go to said selection yeah. or I want to compete in this crossword uh-huh. um, competition. For a certain portion of your training, when we get into intensity slash volume, mm-hmm. it is unhealthy. Right. I it, it's a beautiful thing when like I'm working out or I have one of my cross athletes working out for hours mm-hmm. and some guns, Hey, I want to get stronger. And I haven't been there for 30 minutes. And they're asking me like what they're doing wrong. Like, yeah. what, like what else can they do? It's like, there's differences in, in athletes, mm-hmm. both on how much volume they can take, how much they can recover. 
Um, Marissa, great example. I yeah. dropped her volume by 50% and she's like PR. Yeah. But it's just because her type of athlete, yeah. or her model, but she, who makes her up, right? Like is she responds to lower volume better. And I think that these template programs or these like online things that just kind of get you to like do a, a ton of volume or getting better kind of like the sniper effect that we kind of talked about last week. But yeah, um, everyone's different and we have to be able to kind of get into that. And that's, I, I love getting into that conversation about when it comes to talking to athletes about kind of what their body needs and kind of what I'm expecting out of it as well. When it comes to phase of training. I think sometimes even communication, like that was the biggest thing with Jeremy and I, when I started, you know, he started individualized programming for me is I didn't know what questions to ask. Mm -hmm. What was I asking? Well, I was asking the wrong questions. Like, okay, I want to get better at this, but now he forced me to look at, you know, my sleep, my nutrition, everything else in between, you know, when I'm studying transition out of the army, he factors all of that in. And I think that's where the disconnect comes from. Uh, between an athlete and coach and like, oh, this program is not working or trying to trust. Yeah. And, and, and when we get into the scientific prints or mm-hmm. like aspects of things, yeah. like ideally, right. Five, four, three, two, one back squat. Yeah. Ideally, if you did it right, you're going to somewhat PR depending on your training age. All that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. Um, and it's a funny thing that I got told one time. And by training but, age, you mean what? Uh, like if you have been working out for 10, Chris is a good example, working out for 10, 12 mm-hmm. plus years. His PRs are going to be very, very difficult and far between, yeah. right? Because he's got to work so hard. He has so much muscle unit recruitment okay. and fibers laid down. Someone comes in for one week. Mm-hmm. Hey, go squat, go shovel dirt for like three weeks. Mm-hmm. You're going to come back here on PR, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> but generally speaking, a five, four, three, two, one program, yeah. you're going to PR at the end of it. Um, something as a coach that I do, and I happens a lot with athletes when we start getting into those conversations about yeah. nutrition and alcohol sleep. Yeah. If you don't, if I send you through a progressive model like that and you don't progress, something outside is typically contributing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of, you know, the last thing I have in my notes here, which is like adaptation currency and call it what you want, but your ability to adapt as an athlete to a program is what makes or breaks you. Right. Mm -hmm. As a coach, if I'm not factoring in those lifestyle events, the psychosocial piece, I'm never going to maximize your adaptation. Right. So think about it like money. If you if you're spending all your money out mm-hmm. drinking, not sleeping, eating horribly, you don't get to spend that in the gym on performance. Yeah. To flip that back around, if I'm quote unquote your fitness financial advisor, and I see you blowing all this money <laughs> at the club, all these other things, your adaptation currency on the on these things that don't matter, I should not be upping volume. I should not be upping the complexity mm-hmm. of things, and in in fact, I should be reducing it to make you more optimized on your spending. I know that's a weird analogy, but yeah, if you have life stress, you are more likely to get injured. If you're not sleeping well, yeah. you're more likely to get injured. All of these things factor in. And if I don't take that into account, you know, injury prevention first, performance yeah. second, not only am I going to have you like plateau, I'm going to break you. And I, I don't think a lot of people take that into account. It's a holistic approach, as you mentioned earlier, yeah. to include what you're doing the other 22 hours a day outside the gym. There's always a why. Yeah. There's always a why, right? The whole like, oh, I don't know why I'm getting better. I just don't yeah, get yeah, it. Yeah. There's always a why. And that conversation goes two ways. Rather, it goes the way of like, hey, you need to be okay with the fact that you're making these decisions. Yeah. And you're and it's sacrificing performance. Mm-hmm. Or you need to understand your goal and you need to give up things when we talk about kind of adaptation currency. Like, yeah. like if you're not willing to sleep seven minimum hours, right? When the study comes <laughs> out in Stanford yeah. basketball. 
free throw percentages went up 20 yeah. plus percent just from sleeping or being in bed for eight hours. I don't know why people don't want to sleep. Right? <laughs> so then you go to like that, or you get the younger guys that come in and they're like, oh, I want to go selection. It's like they're at the bars every weekend. Yeah. So then they come back in and then all of a sudden their foot starts to hurt. It's like, oh, well, we start talking about like kind of how the body's recovering and sleep and then yeah. alcohol starts affecting sleep. You're not even getting into a restorative state when it comes to sleep because you got alcohol in your system. So, and it's just being okay with that. Yeah. Like, you need to be okay with the fact that's your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Or you need to make changes to support what our roadmap has panned out for you. It's a hard yeah. conversation you gotta have with yourself. We and did I, it for you, right? Yeah. Three priorities, <laughs> yeah. and all of a sudden you look at you looked at Lewis. You're like, yo, you're number three. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that's key in terms of both sides need to have give and take there, mm-hmm. right? So if the coach wants the person to like, we want Gabby to go to the CrossFit Games, like we need to be willing to have that discussion with you and say, what do you want to sacrifice? What do you want to, to put into this? Cause it is a sacrifice when it comes to that level of performance, but the athlete has to say, these are my non-negotiables. I won't give up X, Y, Z things. Then you come to the middle ground there. Cause I mean, yeah. you know, family gets a vote, lifestyle gets a vote because people who are really, really dedicated to training, people who are really dedicated to training, honestly, are pretty boring outside the gym. Uh, yeah. Hand up. You know, hand up. Yeah. Four hours at the gym. Yeah. I, you know, now that I've, I've, I've gone the other way, now that I'm later in life, I'm not as competitive. I've got a family. I've got two jobs. Yeah. You know, I've got a business, got all this other stuff. Um, I can't exactly give up those things that I used to. And it does yeah. take give and take. And a lot of times what I'll tell my, Jeremy hit it up earlier, my younger tactical athletes are the ones I have to have this conversation with the most. So they want to live the commando lifestyle and be all badass and do all these other things. And every night's out at the bar with the boys. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, what's your long goal? Tell me your priorities and show me how your daily habits support your priorities. And if they're not in alignment, I'm going to tell you. But it's your choice. Yeah, absolutely. It's your choice. Or I just don't hard. I just get in the same program every single week. <laughs> Jeremy, I will. Hard yeah, the, same, the same, the same squad. It's like, well, why am I doing the same yeah. thing? It's like, well, you're gonna get ish better because you're just drinking and yeah. you're like shit. Yeah. So you're the same thing. Just keep going. <laughs> no, just like, keep driving right. yourself into the ground. I guess. Like I don't know. Like, and I do think that's that's one last thing I'd like to close with in terms of everything's a skill. I look at everything as a skill. It doesn't matter if you're back squatting. doesn't matter if you're rowing or running. Everything is a skill. Yeah. One, because you need to learn your body's rate limiting factor. Two, you need to learn when to push, when not to push, listen to pain and fatigue and stuff like that. So back to low sleep, drinking a lot, horrible nutrition. If I was trying to you know, pass the SATs with the highest score ever, like you, the LSAT, here yeah, soon. Yeah, trying. Right. I wouldn't be tanking all those things. But yeah. people do it with performance and think they can get away with it. So everything's a skill. And what you do the other 22 hours supports it or detracts from it. Yep. Agree more. All right. Yeah, so, keep, keep sending in questions. I mean, I got a couple of questions. One of these episodes, we're just going to drop 10, 15 minutes. It's just going to be straight up answering questions. Got yeah. a good, a lot of good response from the last first one or the first episode. Mm-hmm. So keep sending in questions, uh, reach out to us. Um, yeah, I mean, this is going to be kind of taking off. We got plans to do a lot more with a lot of different athletes. Um, getting to the next one, we'll be getting into more work-life balance stuff and actually how we build into a program. So Yeah, we'll talk actual me- methods next week, sets and reps and, um, you know, exercise selection, all that good stuff. But, you know, that's it for this week. Gabby, thanks for jumping on the thanks show Thanks for having us. me. It was yeah. great. Share was the great. podcast yeah. with a friend. Yeah. Tell, tell your friends. Yep. Um, like Jeremy said, follow us on uh, all the social media stuff so you can send us your questions or just email info at evolutionathleticsnc.com. And as always, just remember, get better every day.